Hey everybody, it's the MPG Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Josh Molzer. This week I got local lender, Julian Buick. What's up, man? Hey, how you doing, Josh? Good, how are you? I'm great. Thank- it's good to be here. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, we were talking a little bit about before the show, the weirdness of the, the tap on the table when you're when you're cheersing. <laughs> yeah, I uh, it must be an American thing. I don't think we do that in Ireland. Like, we just we just cheers and then we drink. There's no like slapping it on the table before you take a mouthful. I don't. Yeah, I don't get it. It's funny. Um, let's get right into it, man. Um, you're from Ireland. Yeah, what's, yeah. What's the, what's the backstory? What's the trajectory? Okay, well, specifically Northern Ireland. So um, I know your your normal question. First question is 18 to 9. What, 18 to 9. What happened? How'd you get there? <laughs> so um, so mine, I guess, uh, goes back to when I was 16. I left uh, I left high school when I was 16. Um, in Northern Ireland, you have the, the choice of um, if you're going to go to college, you'll stay on until you're 18. Um, but if you want to leave school, you can leave at 16. So, um, so I left at 16 and then did a, an apprenticeship at a local aerospace company called Short Brothers. Uh, they were owned by, uh, bought over by Bombardier. Um, so I, I started off there. I did um, an electrical apprenticeship. So I got a three-year apprenticeship. And I had no idea what I was doing. Like, it was, <laughs> my mom told me, you should be an electrical technician. And I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> Sounds like a good idea. So I, I went to college one day a week for like uh, a like 12-hour day. Uh, one day a week. They paid for it. Um, but I had no idea. Electrical, electronics, it didn't, just didn't make sense to me. After the three-year apprenticeship was over, um, I got... There weren't any jobs for electrical technicians at the time, so they retrained me as mechanical engineering, and uh, and that just all made sense. Everything just clicked. Then it was like, oh, this is all easy. Like this you're is meant all... to be a mechanical engineer, right? Yeah, yeah. So I did. I went. Uh, I retrained as mechanical. Did another like three years in college, and I ended up with uh, the equivalent of a, a mechanical engineering degree. Um, so from then. Um, I uh, I worked for them for a while, and uh, my then I um, I got the opportunity to move to the states in uh, 1996. Like with that company? With that company, okay. yeah. They they sent me over to um, West Virginia. Was my first introduction to the United States. <laughs> right. um, I just assumed that I was leaving to go to America. You know, right, yeah. just assumed everywhere in America was the same. It was like, you know, the height of technology and fashion, and and you know, I I ended up in a, a, a you know, in West Virginia. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's a great place. There's great people, and no matter where you go in the world, you're going to meet great meet great people. So, bunch of really nice people. But it's not like the movies. Not like the movies America. I mean, uh, right, right. Yeah. I mean, we grew up watching Friends on TV, yeah. and then you know, next thing we're in a mall where everyone's got like big hair perms and stuff, you know, mullets and all. It's yeah. like this isn't Friends. <laughs> this isn't Friends. Yeah, yeah. So um, before we left Ireland, my uh, I'd moved my wife over here with me. She was my fiance at the time. Um, we uh, we owned a house in Ireland, um, and. Growing up in Northern Ireland, the uh, because we we um, we lived through the troubles. I don't know if you're familiar with the troubles in like Northern a Ireland. A little bit, like, yeah. 
Um, so the price of real estate, nobody really wanted to move to Northern Ireland, so it kept the price of real estate really, really low. Um, and then whenever, um, whenever we, around about the time we left, they signed like some Good Friday agreement or something that ended the, uh, the, the troubles. And also um, the European Union was, you know, founded around that time. And, um, and then real estate really started to take off. So we got like a double fold in Northern Ireland. Our real estate was taken off in the whole of the UK. Plus you, ha- you now had peace in Northern Ireland. So people were, wanted to move there. So the real estate prices just shot way up. So, I mean, it was, it was pretty good. We, uh, we ended up selling our house um, a few years later and like doubled our money on it. So, you know, it, it worked out well. Um, but whenever we, we moved over here, we had our, our house rented out in Northern Ireland. And uh, so that was my first like, you know, real um, introduction to real estate land, you know, being a landlord. And, you know, the, uh, the person that we had it rented to, he lost his job and then decided that he, you know, he was offered a house, a smaller house that he would be able to afford, but he decided that he didn't want to. He wanted to stay in my house. So it's <laughs> like, well, that's great. But, you know, if you can't pay, you can't stay. Right. But apparently the laws are you can't just go in and kick someone out. <laughs> yeah. So what are the laws? Around, I didn't know like? that at the time. Yeah. I just thought, well, my, I've got a big brother. Can't he just go down and throw them out? Right. And yeah. it's like, because yeah. I had a property manager that was managing it, you know, and I'm talking to them over the phone and they're, I'm like, what do you mean they've stopped paying? That doesn't like get get them out. And they're like, well, it doesn't work like that. You know, they've, they've got like, uh, you know, they're getting government assistance and, you know, we're, we're trying to get them into somewhere that they can afford. And it's like, okay, well, where does that leave me? I still got to pay my mortgage. And they're like, yeah, 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 we know. I'm like, well, all right, this isn't, I'm not really enjoying this whole landlord thing. So, um, so that was my first um, experience. And then, so uh, we're in West Virginia. We stayed in West Virginia for a couple of years. Um, and I was working as an engineer over there. Um, then, uh, after the two years, uh, the contract was up and I was going to have to go back to Ireland. Um, so we started looking around. We kind of liked it over here, even though we're in West Virginia. We still, <laughs> we still like the U.S. And I knew some people that worked for Boeing in, uh, in Seattle. So um, we looked into that and I was able to get a job over in, in working for Boeing in Seattle. So uh, we, we left and headed over there. Uh, then we, we bought a house in Seattle. We sold our house in um, in Ireland. Uh, whenever I started working for Boeing, I started making a lot of money. You know, I was uh, working a lot of overtime. I would saved up probably like 50 grand. We sold our house in the UK and I thought, um, okay, well, I got about 50 grand from that as well. I only needed 50 grand for to buy the new house in Seattle. And I was like, okay, I've got a hundred grand. What should I, should I put it all into the house or should I invest 50 grand? I'm like, ah, I'm pretty smart. It's, it's the year 2000. Okay. Right. Yeah. Everyone's making tons of money right. in the stock market. You know, all the dot coms, all the startup companies and stuff. Everyone I look at, everyone's talking about it. I'm like, I got to get into this. I'm like, I got to put some money into this. So around about May 
2000, I, uh, I invested 50 grand into the stock market. And I think in October that year, I cashed it out again and it was 17 grand. So, <laughs> so that was like my first experience investing. <laughs> so, so so far you've had like this crappy situation with this tenant, and then you lose a bunch of money in the stock market. So I mean, you got to be feeling some type of way about all that. So I'm thinking, I don't think this investing thing's really for me. <laughs> yeah, seriously. You know, I think I'll just stick to the good old fashioned way of making money, just trading, you know, time for dollars. Yeah. Um, so I did that for the next bunch of years, just. Uh, just worked away at Boeing, just worked lots of overtime. And, you know, I built a, you know, a reasonable life. Just, you know, I invested in my 401k like you're supposed to just, you know, I'm just the furthest thing in my mind was investing. It was all just like, you know, just do the, what you're supposed to do, just have a regular job. Um, And when I look back, we, I was always fiscally responsible. I never didn't have any credit card debt, never really had any car payments or anything. So I was never in debt or behind on anything. But I just, I always, we kind of always were just living paycheck to paycheck. You know, it was like, I never had like a big, you know, load of money saved up. We would save up money, we would go on vacation, you know, just whatever normal people do. Right. And that's just what I thought that's going to be me until I'm old enough to retire. And, you know, I never really thought about what I was going to do for money once I became old enough to retire. It was just like, uh, you know, that's what people do. So there must be some way of... Like a pot at the end of the... Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, so then I uh, I changed jobs a few times. Um, still still in engineering, but one of the times I um, I was working with this guy, a friend, of, didn't know, first time I met him, it's an English guy called Andy Pillinger. And uh, we ended up going on a business trip together and he started telling me about his real estate. Um, he, he had a few rentals and, you know, he was just, he wasn't killing it, but he was just, you know, telling me that I should be doing something like that rather than, you know, the stock market or, or whatever. And I wasn't, you say I wasn't heavily into the stock market. I. I had a 401k that I had some money in. It was just in an index fund. So whatever the stock market was doing, that's what I was doing. Right. Like, you know, um, but he was saying, like, you really should get into real estate. There's a lot lot more opportunities. And then he, um, you know, he told me about, told me to read this book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I was like, okay, all right, yeah, whatever, dude. <laughs> you know. Um, so then shortly after that, I had knee surgery. And uh, I was sitting in the house on a binge watch like vikings or something and then i'm like all right what i'm gonna do now <laughs> and i had this book i'd ordered it and I, you know i'm like all right i'll pick it up and start reading it so i sat and read it and you know read it cover to cover within the first like you know day and i was just like wow this is this is neat like is this really possible like, right. can you do this kind of stuff <laughs> and then he he told me about uh website bigger pockets and i was like okay he says, listen to the podcast and then get on the forums and start asking questions. I was like, okay, yeah, I could do that. So I started doing it, you know, instead of driving to work every day, listening to the radio, the news or crappy music or whatever, I was listening to podcasts, you know, both directions, 30 minutes drive to and from work. And uh, I just became hooked and, you know, I was just listening to it all the time. Um, so then I, uh, 
I knew a friend of mine um, that my kids, my kid and his kid played in the same baseball team together. And we kind of, we knew each other from social events. And uh, I knew he was into real estate. I didn't know exactly how, what, uh, to what uh, depth he was into it, but I knew that he had done some real estate. So, um, so I started asking him questions and uh, we would go to our kids' baseball games and um, he's, not, he's not my partner, uh, Jeff Jordan. Um, so at the time, uh, I would show up to the baseball games with, uh, I had a, a, a kegerator in my house, right? So I would get a couple of big Bubba kegs and, uh, you know, Bubba keg holds like four pints. So I would, um, I would come down to the, the game and one for me, one for him. And I would just sit and pick his brains, you know, the whole time we were watch, <laughs> supposedly watching our kids play baseball. Right. Our kids were crap at baseball. So it didn't matter whether <laughs> we were paying attention or not. Like, so, um, so we just sat there and, you know, for the whole season, like I was just sitting asking him questions and stuff. And, you know, he was really, you know, super, you know, he's like, he's one of my best friends. You know, we do a bunch of stuff together and, you know, like I say, he's my partner now. So, um, he's definitely been like a great mentor and, you know, guide for me. Um, so we, um, um <laughs> I'm not used to talking so much. Oh, so no, man. Yeah, gets, you're good. You're good. My throat's getting dry. Um, so, um, we were going to those baseball games, and then um, uh, the one of the on bigger pockets, um, somebody started a post saying um, we're going to do a local meetup in Seattle, and I was like, okay. So I'd said to Jeff, um, you want to go to like a real estate meetup, and he was like, yeah, sure. It was on a Friday night in a bar, and he's like, why wouldn't I? <laughs> <You know? laughs> right. So. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for him, it was more an excuse to just get out of the house for a bit and go drink some beer and, you know, but then um, because he hadn't, he'd, he'd done a lot of real estate investing, but he hadn't really done that much locally in Seattle. Um, so he didn't really know that many local real estate investors. So once we got there, um, uh, we started networking with people and find that there's a huge community of, of you know, flippers and um just people doing all kinds of stuff in Seattle and we started getting to know everyone and uh you know and, and then he started doing deals locally in Seattle and and uh you know they one of the things at 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 the very first meetup that we went to they would uh they would go around the room and ask everyone what their experience level was and what you know what they did and and most of the people were new there weren't that many people that had much experience but there were some and then it came around to Jeff, and Jeff told him what he did. And at the time, he was uh, like wholetailing. He was buying properties from the auction and just turn around and listing them on the MLS. And it was like all over the you know the Rust Belt and the uh, US. Um, so everyone was like really impressed with him. And then it came around to me, and I'm just like, yeah, I you know I'm not really doing anything. Like you know I'm <laughs> brand new here. Like I I don't know what I'm doing. Um, so then at the end of it, the, uh, the host, he goes around the room and, you know, says, uh, says, you know, just a bit about everybody. And he, he said to Jeff, okay, you're, you're killing it. Like, you know, keep it up, keep killing it. And he said to me, Julian, you need to get out of analysis paralysis and actually take some action. And I'm like, 
It's my first meeting. You don't even know me. I'm like, you just called me out in front of everyone. Like, this, is, this is brutal. Shots fired. Uh, yeah. I'm like, right. Okay. Fair enough. Well, uh, well, yeah. Well, I guess. I guess it motivated me. Because um, so then I started. It was like, okay, what can I do? I, I need to figure out. I'm like, so I have a wife and kids. My kids are in high school. Um, a lot of people, whenever they're first starting out, they are like, okay, I need to save a bunch of money, live live really frugally, and you know, put all my money into something, work like 80 hours a week on this, and you know, make it happen that way. I didn't have that option, because I'm like, I've built a life with my family where we have a certain amount of luxury in life. And it's like, I can't go back to my wife and kids and say, okay, listen, we've got a new plan. Rice and beans. <laughs> yeah. No more going out for dinner, right? So just for the next few years, we're just staying home. Vacations are canceled. And so that by the time your kid, the kids have grown up and moved out of the house, I'm going to have plenty of money. Right. right? How's yeah. that plan? So it was like, I got to figure out a way of using what I have and trying to make it grow without disrupting the life that we already have. And it was like, so I don't, I, you know, I was like, how do I do this? So that's when lending started becoming kind of, it started resonating with me more. It was like, um, I could do this. I could, as long as I am comfortable with the per people that I'm lending to, then it's going to be relatively passive. Now, nothing is completely passive. You've got to do some research at the beginning. But I can put, as long as I'm comfortable making the loan, I can make a loan and people can do the work and I don't have to do any of the work. And then I make some returns in the end. So it was like, okay, how can I do this? What money do I have? And I didn't, like I said, I was li kind of living paycheck to paycheck. Didn't have like a whole stash of money. But what I did have was uh, my 401k. Um, and I had moved companies a couple of times. So I had rolled it into a retirement account. Um, so I found out through reading on bigger pockets and stuff that I could move that to a self-directed retirement account. And I could use that to lend out on to real estate for real estate loans. I was like, okay. So I had about 300 grand saved up in my 401k. I was like, all right, that's a good start. That's a great start, yeah. Right, and then I had about, um, I had equity in, in our primary residence and I was like, okay, so I could take out a line of credit against our house so and use that. Now that one took a little bit more, uh, it was a little bit harder to do because I had to get my wife to sign for the line <laughs> of credit as well, right? And based on my track record of investing, right, yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was a bit of a harder sell. But um, yeah, I, uh, so I, I can somehow manage to convince her anyway, I don't know. <laughs> Sweeten it up with chocolates or something <laughs> like a bottle of vodka. Or Lots whatever. of good dinners. And so, um, so I, I started off with about five hundred grand that I I could use, um, and so I through networking I uh, I met these these guys. Um, what were they called? Radiant Homes, uh, Neely and and Khan. 
um, they uh, they were flipping houses in Seattle, and they they approached me and said, "Hey, you know, I know you you have a little bit of money. Would you be interested in doing a second position loan on a property that we're working on?" So it was like, "Yeah, okay." And I I wanted to do it. I and I, I wanted to get started. I wanted to do something. And more than anything, I wanted to go back to that meetup and tell them, I haven't got analysis paralysis. I'm doing it. Like, I've got the nerve to do this crap. Like, you know, I, don't call me out. So that's what got me into the first deal was just literally being called out in public was like, that gave me the motivation to actually do the first deal. You owe that dude a thank you. Do you know that guy? Yeah, Troy Fisher. Yeah, I know him. Like, I haven't talked to him in a while. He's in Seattle. I'm like, I'm going back to Seattle tomorrow for a couple of weeks. I might see him whenever I'm back there. Like, you got to reach out and be like, I owe you a beer, man. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what if you had never said anything? I think I still would have done it anyway. But that, that was that was like the, definitely a motivator. But yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, the thought, you know, once I started, once my mind started. Uh, working after you know reading Rich Dad Poor Dad and and seeing the potential of being able to um, essentially like double your money every like four years or something. It's like you know this is what am I? What are the alternatives like just to keep working? I mean, if this doesn't work out, if this whole real estate thing doesn't work out, I can still go back to working. Right. You know? I mean, I still am working. Like you know, so it's like I. I'm going to do it. I'm, you know, I was committed to doing it. So that's what, that's what got me started in it anyway. Like, and, uh, and, and since then, I think I was looking there the other day. I think I've done, um, I think I've done over like 80 real estate deals since wow. then, since, uh, uh, that was back in 2015 when I started. So yeah, I think I'm up to over, over 80 deals now and like over, four and a half million and 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 revenue so dang okay yeah that's not bad at all yeah um <laughs> that's crazy let me so let me ask you this what was the first do you remember the first deal that you landed on what were the like the specifics the numbers the breakdown so um it, the property was in in Seattle in the Wedgwood neighborhood and I, I think they bought it for like 575 something like that so I mean Seattle's expensive like you know it's I only had 500 grand so I I couldn't land in first position because you couldn't you couldn't I couldn't have, you couldn't be able to buy anything in first position in Seattle I prefer to land in first position but you know I was kind of just going with what I had. Right. Uh, so I lent in second position. They had a hard money loan in first position. And then I come in for the rehab loan. And I lent them like 110000 And I think the interest rates were like, it was like a couple of points and 14% interest, something like that. So, um, and it took like maybe eight or nine months to get the money back, but at like fourteen percent interest, you know, the You're longer right. it takes, the more <laughs> I'm gonna make. They Were you up, like stressing out though, like the first? Uh, yes, kind of. I mean, I was going there to check on the progress every you know month or something, so I could see the progress was getting done. So it's not like I was concerned that you know they'd take my money and run off with it or anything, you know. And I had a lien against the property, so it was like. Um, if any, and I was starting to get 
to know a lot more people in that field. So it's like, if something goes wrong, hopefully I can talk to someone else to help me out. Because um, that's always the biggest fear. You lend somebody money, they you know make a complete screw up of it, and then you got to come in and fix it. Right. And I, you need to know people that can help you to fix it. Because I'm not going in there with a, a hammer and a saw. To, you know, <laughs> so I, I need to know people that know contractors and, and can lend me their good contractors to get stuff done. And, you know, so, um, yeah, so the, they, I, I probably made, I don't know, uh, like 15 grand or something on that first deal. Yeah. So it it you know and and from there i didn't wait until the first one was completed before i did the next one once i'd done the first one it was like oh yeah i got some more to lend out but, right you know, and like and, and, yeah yeah and yeah and so i just started doing started doing deals pretty quickly and uh, the first the first lot of them all all worked out pretty good were there any in seattle that like didn't turn out great um no i don't think so i i think all of the ones I did in Seattle. Um, so before, before I moved to uh, Georgia, I I got laid off from Boeing in like twenty, the end of twenty sixteen, and I kind of I was at a bit of a scramble then. It was like whatever funds I have, I got to try to deploy them before I moved to Savannah because it's going to take me a while to get new contacts and stuff down here. So it was like let me let me uh, see what I can find. And I stupidly invested with uh, the wrong person. Um, it was, it wasn't just on one deal. It was a fund this guy had started, uh, where he was raising money from lots of people. I think there were like seventeen of us all invested. We didn't know each other. Just you know, we found out later because we ended up suing the guy, and and uh, he raised like four point four million and lost it all. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I put in like 75 grand. So it wasn't, it was, it was a tough pill to swallow, but it wasn't, you know, life, life changing. Right, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was like, this sucks. I hate this guy, you know, but whatever. Like one of the guys, um, he was like in his sixties, he had put over a million into it Whoa. and that was his whole life savings. And uh, so he had no way of making that money back again and that's yeah what recourse do you have in that situation so we did once we found out that everything was going south we um we took over all we took over his llc's it was like a hostile hostile takeover um and uh because all of the properties were owned in the llc's so we thought if we take over the llc's we we all got together and we voted him out and then we took over and it was like, okay, now we have control of the properties. There were like 10 properties, but we, by that stage, the, uh, he had hard money loans on all of the properties. And by that stage, the hard money lender had started the foreclosure process. And even though we took, uh, took over the properties one by one, they were taken off us. And we just watched them all just disappear. Yeah, and we got not. I think on one of them, on one of the properties, we got something. So I got like twelve hundred dollars back out of the seventy-five grand that I put in. Dang. Yeah, yeah. What? Uh, what? What mistakes did that guy make? Why did that he, fund he, fail? Um, so he was a complete another. 
Um, <laughs> like, like without... complete, complete another sociopath. Okay. Right? Um, he just uh, he completely mismanaged everything. He was an alcoholic as well, but he was such a good showman. You know, like um, he had all of his fold, and most of the people were relatively new as well. So we didn't, you know, we had this PPM that we all signed, and um, you know, uh, was it something or other memorandum, private placement memorandum, um, and so we had all his legal stuff all down, and I didn't know what a private placement memorandum was. It was like. 70 pages of like you know, just crap I didn't know how to read it or understand it like so I just signed it <laughs> right? uh, you know it's complete stupidity for you know somebody that didn't know what they were doing but um, he just completely mismanaged everything I don't he didn't go into it with the intention of trying to screw people out of money but his relationship with his wife fell apart and he just you know would go out drinking all the time and before his relationship with his wife fell apart, we found out that he had subsidized his wife's boob job with the money that we were putting in. So, you know, and he was taking her away on fancy trips and stuff. Like, just, you know, yeah. Dang. Yeah. You could tell that that's still sore, huh? <laughs> it's a little sore, but... Um, I mean, it's 75K. It's not uh, like it was... Yeah, well, I, I was really bitter about it for a while. Um, I've realized that you got to let these things go. I mean, what... We tried everything that we could through the legal course. Um, what other recourse do I have? Like finding them in a dark alley and <laughs> beating them. <laughs> it would be nice. That's a nice thought, but you know, I'm not going to do that. Like, right. You know. um, so yeah, I mean, you got to let it go because that will just eat you up. It's like that was just a mistake that I made. It's it's my fault for trusting him. So it's it's on me. It's not, you know, I can't blame him. I There were so many red flags that I should have seen. And I, my partner, Jeff, I introduced Jeff to him and he considered investing with him and then said, yeah, I don't really want to do this. And I said, well, I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> you know? So, so yeah. lesson learned. Well, Jeff's a lot smarter than me as far as this <laughs> sort of stuff goes. Like, so he's like, well, the reason he said was like, I, I don't really want to get into, it was kind of like a syndication thing. And he's like, I don't want to, if stuff goes wrong, you're, um, you give up control, right? Because now you're going to have a bunch of investors that have to all agree to the same thing to move it forward. And we did. We had a bunch of meetings with all the investors, and we were. It was just an argument every time, you know, about what we were going to do, and that was, and, you know. So yeah, I mean, he was absolutely right. It's like, so a lot of the stuff I do now in savannah is smaller deals where if stuff goes wrong i'm taking it over i'm taking full control and i'm sorting it out i'm not relying on anyone else um so there's like uh you know lee lee winters he he went out for a, a boat ride with him um a couple of months ago and he was telling me about him and uh, these guys we were just talking about this plan where we want to take over this whole neighborhood it might be like a 10-year plan but you know we'll we'll start this company and we'll all go in together and we'll and he's like no so are you interested in that and i'm like no <laughs> it's like that. because of that experience because of that experience i'm like yeah no lee's a great guy I'm like no I'm, I'm, we're actually just and we just hopefully we're going to close on it tomorrow on uh, on a, a deal i'm doing with him like so yeah i mean what? it's Congrats. Like, yeah yeah and we're partnering on that one like so but just 
um, the whole idea of like going in on something where you have you have very limited control. I'm just staying away from that. And Jeff tried to warn me, but I just said, ah, "What do you know?" <laughs> <laughs> so after so you uh, after you lose your seventy five thousand, you move to Savannah. Yeah. Uh, what 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 happened from that point forward? How did you start building out here? What were you doing? Um, so I started going to uh, networking events here. Uh, the only one I could find was the uh, the Savannah Ria. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to it, but I've never been to it. But I've uh, it's um, so Aisley runs it, and I don't know if he's been doing it. I think he's maybe been doing it virtually since the uh, since COVID. Um, but it was he, he tries his best, but it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of newbies and uh, a lot of wannabe wholesalers. So uh, most of the people there are have never done anything else, but they want to wholesale. They've maybe you know done a weekend class or something, and and they're in now like, I just want to do this, and then you don't see them again the next month. Like, no. Right. Um, but that is where I met Curtis. So I mean that is the one, one of the good <laughs> things that came out of that. Like I met Curtis from Bell Homes, and uh, and you know I tortured him after that for to. Uh, so that we could work together on, <laughs> on some stuff. But, so, yeah. So that was good. So, um, yeah, so I started um, networking down here. I met uh, I met this one lady um, through Connected Investors. It's another website. Okay. It's a nice little website. Um, and she said she wanted to start flipping homes in Savannah. And I was like, okay. Said she'd done like 10 flips before. I was like, okay, well, you know, let's, uh, you know, I can help you do that. And I talked to Jeff at the time. Um, and uh, said, would he be interested in doing the first position and then I could come in for the second position for the rehab? So he would put up the funds to buy it and then I would put up the funds to, to fix it up. Um, so we did that. We did four deals together and the first one went okay. Second one, we started to see problems. Um, the third one, there were a lot of problems and uh, I had to get involved in that one. Um, all the money that I lent was no longer there. So I had to step in and start paying the contractor myself. And then on the fourth one, um, I ended up taking that back from them. Um, it wasn't, we're still, we're still good. Figuring. We're still, you know, good friends now. So, uh, well, friends, uh, we're still on speaking terms right, now. Yeah. Um, I ended up uh, give, offering a, a deed in lieu of foreclosure because I'd said, listen, um, I'm going to take this property back either through foreclosure. Uh, if, if we go down the foreclosure route, it's going to cost me like three or four grand. So how about I give you 3,500 bucks and you just sign the deed over to me. So that's what um, she did. And uh, I ended up having to do that one myself, like you know, getting contractor. And, uh, and I don't, I'm not cut out for that. That's not my thing, right? <laughs> but I can do it if I need to, right. right? So I had a bunch of money tied up in it. Um, on that one, Jeff was in first position, so I paid him off in first position so that I owned the whole thing then. Um, and so I had, a whole, I had a bunch of money put into it. In order to get my money back out of it, I had to put more money into it to get it fixed up. And so I did that. I got the contractor, you know, um, he did the work. I, if I was in the business of fixing up houses, 
I would probably have been able to negotiate better deals with contractors and stuff, but that's not what I do. I just wanted to get it done quickly right. and get my money back. Well, it turned out it wasn't quickly, <laughs> but <laughs> and I got almost all my money back. I think I lost like 4,500 bucks on it. But you know, of the four deals I did with them, I made the interest on all four of them. And then on that one for the last six months, I just the I lost forty five hundred bucks and um, time value of money just my money being tied up I didn't make any money on it so probably if you it. added so, up though did you come out like positive yeah yeah, yeah 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 oh for sure like yeah I mean I definitely I definitely come out ahead um, my I I try to shoot for um, whenever I'm doing deals I I try to shoot for like a twenty percent return annualized yield on my money. Um, so that one, maybe I ended up off over the four deals with like a 10%. So for a deal that went horribly wrong, I still made 10% right. return on my money. So it wasn't horrible. How did you come up with that 20% number? Where, like, where does that come from? Um, it, I, I don't know. Just arbitrary? Just, yeah, like, it's just completely arbitrary. Shows it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, I was thinking about it. It's like, I, I got to try to. I got to try to make my money work for me as quick as possible. Uh, 20% seems doable. Um, and if I can make 20% return on my money, then it will double every 3.75 years. So that's roughly every four years, you know, it's going to double. Yeah. So I'm like, sounds like a good number to shoot for. That is a good number. Yeah. Oh, because compound compounding interest. i'm thinking in my head I'm like that doesn't make any sense right, like, right. yeah yeah no that makes sense compounding okay. interest <laughs> yeah. yeah okay the eighth wonder of the world yeah that's what einstein says supposedly right mm -hmm. i mean you never know with those kind of things but um yeah but what's he know guys an idiot we were talking a little bit before too like so there's rules around private lending that hard money lenders don't have to follow right like what are some of those rules um so hard money lenders can advertise um, you know, they, they have companies, they have, they have to have an NMLS number that says that they are allowed to make loans. Private lenders, I, I lend to, I don't lend to individuals. I never do um, owner-occupant loans, um, or con so it's not consumer, there's no consumer loans at all. It's all, I'm always lending to companies. Um, so as far as rules that uh, hard money lenders have to follow. Um, I don't know that. I think they have a lot more underwriting that they have to do, um, and they n would normally do like appraisals, and um, they have a lot of fees that they would charge that I don't charge as a, a private lender. I mean, I'm just lending whatever you ask, whatever someone asks me. Uh, the, the amount that they want to borrow is what I'll lend. Um, so I don't get appraisals. Uh, hard money lenders are lending based on the asset, right? So they want to make absolutely sure that the asset is worth what they're going to lend on it. I'm lending more based on the relationship with the person, right? So um, I'll lend, I won't lend to someone I don't know. It's got to be somebody that I know um, and that I have a prior relationship with. Um, and I also trust, right? right? Yeah. There's a lot of people I know that I wouldn't lend to <laughs> and I have prior relationships with them, but so it's gotta be someone that I trust. Um, so, um, 
Yeah. I. What was your question? <laughs> what are some of the rules that you had to follow around private lending that maybe hard money lenders don't have to follow? Or what's the kind of the difference between a private lender and a hard money lender? Well, so private lenders are lending their own money. Hard money lenders are either, they either broker um, private money or they have a fund that they lend from. Right, so they have a broker's license that they can either, um, like, if they they might have a, a group of people that will that have money to lend, and then if someone comes to them and says that they want to get a hard money loan, the hard money lender will charge points and interest. The points will go to the hard money lender, and the interest will go to the private lender. So they kind of broker the deal and then the they they act as like a go between between the private lender and the the borrower um, but another way that they do it is they will have a fund where they just raise money from like various individuals that all goes into a fund and then that gets lent out to uh, as hard money loans um, but as a private lender um, I I I'm using my own money so, um, and when I run out, I get my partner to, <laughs> to <laughs> subsidize the rest. To, yeah, to lend me some so that I can lend out some more. Yeah. We were talking to like um, before. So there's like a rule about like prior relationship. What? What? What's the, what's the exact term? Right. So um, to be a private lender, you kind of need to um, you need to have a relationship, a prior relationship with who you're lending to. So I can't, like, someone can't call me up and say, so uh, before I get into this, like, I'm, I'm not on this podcast advertising that right, I'm a yeah. private lender. I'm not trying to get uh, new clients or anything. Like, I'm just on here talking about what I do. And Julian is not compelling me to say. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing going on under the table, right? Like, <laughs> right. No, I'm just genuinely curious, though. You yeah. know, I think a lot of people are because I don't think that, you know, if you listen to, like, a lot of these podcasts and stuff about real estate especially, there's not a lot of private money lenders that have been on there. So I don't – Right. I think that the subject is almost taboo. Right. right. So there's a lot of things that people just don't know. So, so yeah, if someone comes to me and says, hey, will you make me a loan? My first response, if I don't know them, is going to be no. I don't know you. Right. Right. Um, and like, I have people call me up all the time like, hey, how are you doing private lending? I had some guy call me up and ask me, told me he was buying a funeral home. And would I lend him money for it? I'm like, how did you get my number? Um, so anyway, the, uh, the, the rules are um, that you're, it's supposed, I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed to only be able to lend to people that I have a prior relationship with. And the rule is that you're supposed to have had at least three prior um, meetings or, or, you know, with them. So, um, so if someone is interested, um, I would, I would prepare if somebody called me up and said, Hey, I hear you're, you know, you're into real estate. I'm into real estate. You want to go out? get lunch and talk real estate, I'd be like, yeah, sure, let's do that. And, you know, the, the first time we meet, don't try to pitch a deal to me. Right. Just tell me what you're doing. You know, show me what what it is you've done before, what, you know, the types of things you do, but don't pitch a deal to me. Second time, you know, third time, but, you know, uh, the third time you can pitch a deal and say, okay, this is what I'm working on. You know, would you be interested in, in something like that? But... Generally, I don't. Generally, 
I'm trying to get a group of maybe 10 people that I work with on a regular basis that are doing a large volume that I can just constantly keep my money deployed. I'm not trying to get new clients. I'm, you know, I already have a group of people and I'm hoping that they are going to increase their volume like you, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> right? we, we've done, we just did a yeah, deal together, one, yeah. first one. So I'm hoping that that's going to be the first of many. But, I'm hoping so too. It's right, a great, yeah, it's yeah, a nice little deal. It's yeah. A, yeah, it was a great little property. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of, I, like I say, I'm not trying to, I'm not on here trying to get new clients, but you know, if someone wants to talk to me and, you know, talk about real estate, that's fine. Like go for coffee or, or whatever. You know, so. My guess would be that, um, because most people's problem is they don't have money, right? Mm -hmm. So as soon as they find out you're a lender, like you just said, you probably get all kinds of phone calls. They're like, uh, yo, I need money. Like, right. Like, what are you doing? Like, can we hang out? Then you hang out with them and they're like, Oh, money, I need money, I need money, I need um, money, right? Does it get weird or no, do people, are people normally pretty respectful? Or? Yeah, mostly whenever I go to like the real estate meetups, I always feel weird about, you know, like people say, so what do you do? And I'm, I'm always hesitant to say I'm a private lender because then they're like, oh, can I get your card? Right. And I'm like, I don't have a card. Well, I do. I, have, I do have business cards, but they're blank. <laughs> it has my name, my email address, and my phone number on it. That's it. Like, you know, it's like... But yeah, well, because it probably gets weird with like what is advertising, right? Right. Yeah. So like, I'm not allowed to advertise. And so, a, would yeah. a business card be advertised? I mean, yeah, kind of, yeah. yeah. I mean, if it has the name of your company on it, then you're, yeah. you're advertising. Yeah. So, or what you do? Yeah, yeah. Right. So yeah, it says nothing. Like, it's just a blank card. It's <laughs> yeah, pretty cheap to buy. <laughs> that's really funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so most you know, I get a lot of newbies that are like, "Oh, you're a private lender. Let me get your number. Let me," you know. They never call because they're not doing anything. Like I say, most of the people that I meet are not serious. You know, they think they are, but then they don't do anything. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, how many deals have you done? Uh, well, this will be my first. Mm. <laughs> right, right. And I generally, I would work with someone new, but they would have to have the right attitude, right? And they would have to really impress me. Um, most of, like... You can tell whenever you first. That's what I said earlier. It's it's more rather than hard money lenders are completely asset based. Um, mine is much more relationship based, and you can tell whenever you meet somebody whether they're a go getter or whether they're just kind of tire kicker or or whatever. Like you know, what their personality is like, whether they're a good person or I mean, I don't know like. I have, like I say, that one guy that screwed me over. I had another guy that was um, a complete, what was the term somebody used for him? Um, I don't know. He was a serial liar, right? But he sounded good. and he, you know, he, So I've, I've, I've kind of been honing my skill, my bullshit meter <laughs> of being able to tell whether somebody's full of crap or not. Is there like little yeah. tells that you can do to like figure it out? Um, probably if I was trained by the FBI, I would be able to, hey, he looked to the right whenever he said that, or he's blinking too much or something. I don't, probably. You know, like, um, but, but I mean, is there anything that you do consciously to like weed people out, right? Is there things that people say on the phone, maybe in the initial conversation or anywhere down the, you know, is what, what kind of things are you looking for that are like re immediate red flags or do you not want to give that away actually? Um, no, um, 
people people like to talk about it. People like to talk a lot. People like to tell you how good they are and you know how much they've done. And and it's actually pretty easy to check that stuff. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. And it's pretty easy to call around other people that know them and ask their opinion. Um, one of the first things that I do whenever I talk to someone I've never met before is type in their name in Google and type fraud after it. <laughs> See what comes and back. if anything comes up, it's like, all right, yeah, no, see you later. <laughs> uh, you'd be surprised. Look. Oh, yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, I mean, it's not hard to do some research on someone. You know, I, I, I do. It's not like I, you know, send out a private investigator or anything. But, right. I mean, ask around. You know who, who the people are that are genuine and who aren't. I... I like I say, my, I'm getting better at being able to read whether someone's full of crap or not, but I still do get influenced by some people who are, where I'm like, this guy tells a really good story. I better be fun to invest with him. Like, you know, I need to realize that just because they tell good stories doesn't mean they're good investors. Right. You know? Yeah. So I imagine, like, social media has got to be, like, a pretty good one, too, right? Like, do you utilize that a lot, like, checking through people's social? I do. I don't post a lot on social media, but I am on there, and I, I watch what people like do. watch what you're... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. I, I mean, I realized a long time ago that, um, you know, because I still have a job. I still have a W-2. Um, and, yeah, like, I, I found out a long time ago that whenever their uh, employers are doing background searches on you they look up your social media so if, yeah. you're, if you're posting you know stuff where you're like chugging three beers at one you know doing a beer bomb yeah. or something like you know they're gonna see that kind of shit so <laughs> i don't i don't post a lot of stuff like you know post, you know my wife always posts vacation pictures of us or whatever but i can see what everyone else is doing right so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I imagine that would be a pretty useful tool that they maybe didn't have back in the day, or you know what I mean? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. I don't even know what they would have done. How could you figure that out? Like, you'd have to have a really good bullshit meter. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. If you didn't before the internet, you know. Yeah. 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 Um, something I also wanted to get into. So you have a unique perspective because you know how real estate works in Northern Ireland. Right. How much different is that? Like, what are similar some of the similarities and differences between like America and? You know, I, I, I don't know. I moved here. Oh, really? I, I, I moved <laughs> I mean, over you here. owned a house there. I moved over here 25 <laughs> years ago. I really don't know what the market's like. It's a, a lot smaller market. So, well, maybe not than Savannah, but. Um, but like the rules, like, okay, so we were talking about your rental, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so you went through that eviction process, obviously, or. Well, he ended up, so I ended up, he didn't. They didn't get evicted. They moved him to a, a smaller property after like six months, and the government um, ended up paying me back everything that I was owed. So, you know, it's a fairly socialist country. So, you know. So they didn't forget about you then. No, no, okay. I got I got made whole. Okay. Yeah. How do they but, check that? How do they know that's not like? Couldn't people like? Do people abuse that system? That seems like a pretty. The government just cut you a check. Um. Do do so. You're asking me. Do people in Northern Ireland abuse the government subsidies? Is that a serious question? No, it's not a serious question. Uh, okay. Uh, I mean, kind of, yes, though. Like, yes, is that, I there mean, are lots of people. Yeah, I was going to say, wouldn't that be like widespread? Like, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. What other, uh, but it, like property ownership and all that stuff, is everything pretty similar? Like mm -hmm. the closing process and all that stuff? I think so, yeah. 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 I mean, we, um, yeah. 
uh, I guess it was a little bit different for me going to Seattle because um, you don't really get the attorneys involved. You do everything through title and escrow. In, uh, in Northern Ireland, we had to go through solicitors, which is an attorney, okay. and they did all of the paperwork. And, you know, they're all, like, really stuffy. And, you know, over there, you know, I mean, attorneys over here, some of them can be pretty cool, but some of them are, you know, kind of stuffy. Can you imagine over there, like, you know, where they're used to wearing those stupid hats for going to court, you know, the wig well, thing? they still like, have to, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's crazy. In Northern <laughs> right. Ireland, they have to do that? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Dang. So, yeah, I mean, they're, they're pretty stuffy. They're just looking down their <laughs> nose at you and everything. Like, at least, you know, when I bought a house, I was, like, 23. Yeah. So you had these, you know, middle-aged men not looking down their nose at you and stuff like. You know, I don't know. I don't. I don't. Like I said, I've been. I've lived here for twenty-five years now, so I don't. Don't really. Don't know really what it's know. Like over there. Ah, okay, never yeah. mind then. All right. Dang, yeah. man, I really wanted to push you on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I could call one of my friends and get them on the phone. <laughs> Put them on speakerphone. Uh, right. Yeah. You wouldn't understand them. <laughs> you wouldn't look. I, I mean, I've had to tamp down my accent a lot for you to be able to understand me. When you go back, do you ever like? How often do you visit Ireland? Um, probably every couple of years. Try to go every couple. Of, it's been obviously with COVID. It's been a couple of years, but. Um, yeah, I try to go back every 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 two years. When you come back, is the accent like so thick? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It takes a while. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. And, and when I go back over there, everyone makes fun of me for being American. Oh really? Yeah. yeah like your accent's yeah. not thick enough. Right. Yeah. 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 That's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's the future. So that's kind of what I want to get into next. So, what is your plan going forward? So far, you've only done lending on residential houses right i mean i don't know if you've done multifamily, maybe small multifamilies. um so in seattle one of the deals that we did was a development deal where um we bought a, a vacant lot and um we did all the development work and we were going to build three townhomes on it um it was in like such a desirable neighborhood in seattle called queen anne that um, we just kept getting offers on it to sell it, and um, so we we bought it for like five fifty. We put in about one hundred and sixty grand into the development, you know, getting all of the the doing all the tests, um, the geo whatever it is bureaucracy that, garbage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, the structural. Um, the architects, the structure engineers, the um, seismic engineer, all, right. all of that is crap. Like, and then we uh, we got an offer to sell it for like 950 grand. And we're like, no, you know, we think we're going to go ahead and build it. And then we got another offer to sell it for like 1.25 million. And we're like, no, I think we're still going to go ahead. And then we got another offer for 1.45 million. And we're like, yeah okay <laughs> sell it like, for a vacant lot yeah that's yeah, crazy yeah so f- that we bought for five so we were all in for a little over 700 and we sold it for like 1.45 million so and obviously yeah. the lot was not that big if it only could fit three townhomes no it was like five thousand square feet or something like it was ridiculous oh my god yeah but so there were like crazy. four story townhomes or something they're, they're oh, built okay. now okay. they're built now and they're, they're really nice i think they ended up selling them for like one and a half million each so they did very well. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. still crazy. Yeah. Right. But in the future, do you ever plan on doing more? Like, do you plan on doing commercial at all? Or what's your vision for how, where this goes? So I 
don't really have a, like a, a plan as in like, this is my goal. This is where I want to go to. Um, like I said, I want to get with, um, you know, about get, have like about 10 or so individuals that are companies that I, uh, I invest with. And I like doing loans and I like doing joint ventures. I like joint ventures because there can be a bigger upside. That property that we did in Savannah or in Seattle, sorry, in Queen Anne, um, we were partners. It was a joint venture, so we got the upside on that one. Um, it was split 50-50. Um, we partner with the PIP group here. I know we've had Charles on the show, and uh, so we it, we get an equity position in that one. Um, if it's if we're just doing loans, then we just you know if like if I on the house that you're doing, if you end up making an absolute killing on it, I'm just still making the interest. I'm not getting any right. of that, right? Yeah. Um, which is fine, like, you know, because that, you know I'm still making a good return. Um, but I do really like to get involved in joint ventures where we can get an equity stake in it. Um, and you know the way the market's going down here, um, there's a potential of like, there's also the potential to lose money but, Always, yeah. You know, but the way the market's going down here, it's like Highly you know, it, it's it's yeah, it, yeah, it would be great. So the one that we're doing with Lee Winters, um, that we're we're doing this week, it's going to be a joint venture, um, on just like two duplexes, like so four units and a single family, and you know we're we're hoping to uh, he's going to flip them and uh, not not fix them, just flip them and. Uh, We'll see what what we can make out of that one. So, um, so that's I, I'm not opposed to going into uh, commercials or um, anything else. Like I mean, I, whatever makes sense. Like you know, um, I'm always about if the market shifts, I I got to keep an eye on it to make sure we're staying ahead of the curve and whatever the next opportunity is, that's where we want to be. Jeff. Um, Right after, well, his his story is pretty unique. He um, he started a company back in uh, when he was in college, um, just to get beer money. Um, he and it was a water heater company servicing water heaters, and oh, then yeah. and he built it up to like 150 employees after he left college. Sold that, bought a bunch of houses in Seattle, um, and around about like 2000, 2002 or something. Um, and then the company that he sold, the company that he sold it to had ran it into the ground. He bought it back from them for 10% of what he sold it to them for, built it back up again, sold it again. Um, at this time, he had a bunch of money. He was like, should I buy a whole bunch more properties in Seattle? But it was like 2006 then, 2006, 2007. And he's like, the housing market's crazy. Like, you know, like it would cost me twice as much to buy the same property that I bought five years ago. Right. So he said, that's ridiculous. I don't want to pay this amount of money for these houses. And then he thought, well, if I don't want to pay for it, why am I keeping the ones that I have? Why not sell them? So he sold them all. He had like 12 properties, sold them all right before the crash. Dang. <laughs> right? So he looks like a, so he's like a genius. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, 
So then after that, he, uh, he started doing, uh, right after the crash, um, he, there was an opportunity to buy non-performing notes because like so many people were under, underwater on their homes, yeah. so many people being foreclosed and stuff, buying those for pennies on the dollar. Penny, yeah. You know, so whatever, that was just like, that was the opportunity at the time. And he went for it and, you know, did that for a lot of years and started buying uh, foreclosures at the courthouse steps. And um, then, like I say, he was doing the wholetailing for a bit. And um, so whatever, whatever the next opportunity is, that's what you got to pivot to. So at the minute, Savannah fixing and flipping houses. That's the that's that's what they do. Uh, but it seems like at the minute, even not even more, more people are shifting to not even fixing them, just flipping them, just buying them, you know, kind of what you're doing, wholesaling or buying them, wholesaling buying them selling them right put them on the market though that seems yeah that's right. great yeah. gaining, uh, because there's so many there's so much money coming in from out-of-state investors that they're just coming in with cash so if you can find them off market and sell them cash they're picking them up so that seems to be the current model that's that's working so yeah i've been telling people that it does seem like that's been getting a lot of traction just putting no work into it at all or trashing huge... it out maybe you know just just cleaning it out. Yeah. You know, because people leave a bunch of crap in their houses, right? <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah. like, you know, I mean, all it takes is, you know, like a bunch of dumpster loads, what, five grand or something to clean it out. And it looks so much better than it does whenever it's full of crap. Right. Yeah. Right? And so, you might be able to get 20, 30,000 more exactly. just by doing like a couple thousand worth of work. It's <laughs> exactly. pretty, yeah. yeah. It's a no brainer. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, what things are you doing then to look for that next opportunity? So, when you say that, because I. I don't know. I, I suffer with a thing that maybe a lot of entrepreneurs do, which is I'm thinking of the future like all the time, mm -hmm. right? Which And so when you say that, it sounds to me like you're really more thinking about like right now. So are you spending a lot of time like looking at op other opportunities? Or you're just like laser focused on what you do. Um, I'm definitely very um, – at the minute, I see that this is the, the – Savannah just has a great potential of making money right now. Right, I know that it can't last forever, but I want to make hay while the sun shines. Yep. Um, but I am also keeping an eye out. I don't want to be in anything that's long term. I want to be, you know, in and out as quickly as possible, because I definitely see that, like I said, it can't last forever. At some point, something's going to happen. Most people that I talk to seem to think that it's just going to slow down, and it's just going to be a gradual, you know. Soft landing, right? Yeah, sunshine. And I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if I buy into that. Like, you know, I uh, I don't see that the fundamentals are saying that there's going to be a crash, but who knows what's going to happen? Like, it's just hard, crazy record. times at yeah. the minute. Like, you know, with everything that happened last year, no one saw that coming. Who knows what could be the next thing that comes around that just shuts everything down? I mean, it's hard to wrap your mind around the idea that they could print, what is it, like 25% of all U.S. dollars or 20% of all U.S. dollars ever printed were printing last yeah. year. Right. And there will just be, like, no consequence for that. Right. Like, ever. Yeah, yeah. That right. seems hard to believe to me. Well, there has been a consequence. Like, I mean, if, some inflation. inflation. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, yeah. is there going to be, like, an economic, real economic downturn? I mean, I don't know, though, because... I say that, right, but I come from a place of privilege because here in Savannah we haven't seen any slowdown. But right. there are pockets in New York City, California, right, that have seen – I don't know. How did Seattle fare? 
Hit Seattle's on fire. They're on fire. Literally and figuratively. I mean, it was 110 <laughs> degrees in Seattle yesterday. But, like, they are still, like, the housing market there is just going through the roof. Like, it's, it's nuts. And that's a place where they shut down. Yeah. That's crazy. Right. Like, I don't understand that at all. Why, like, it makes no sense. How could you shut down all the businesses in the city? Yeah. And the, econ- the economy there still kills it. Right. How does um, that happen? Well, so I'm not saying the economy is still killing it, but the real estate market is still killing it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Wait, could you? But can you have one without the other? Right? Like <laughs> you can't if you print a bunch of money. <laughs> <laughs> right? So like you don't need people to work if you just print money. Oh, I get you now. Okay. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah, I understand. Okay, so the is the economy there? You think showing signs of slippage? No, I, mean, I don't know. You know people there. Yeah, I, I mean, what, what's the word on the street? I don't think so. No, it's still. There's there's a massive shortage of inventory, and that's the same everywhere. I mean, everywhere. Since, since 2008, they've hardly built any new homes. I mean, obviously in Pooler, they've built a yeah, lot. Yeah, seriously. Right? But, yeah. like, you know, nationwide, there's, like, been a, a massive shortage of new homes being built. So, yeah, I mean, there's a shortage of inventory. That's why I mean, my, per- my perspective is always skewed, because if you drive to Richmond Hill or Pooler, you would never, you would <laughs> right. be like, no way, that statistic's not true. <laughs> um, let me ask you this. What are you listening to to, like, further your education or reading or, you know, what do you like to, who's your go-to? So, um, when I drive into work in the mornings, I listen to Audible, um, listen to, uh, drive home. Um, so, the last couple of books I listened to, uh, um... Jordan Belfort, The Wolf of Wall Street. Yep. I, I just listened to his uh, Where the Wolf. Okay. I don't know if you've uh, listened to that one. Or I have not. It's, it's, in my... it's more obviously into marketing and, you know, sales and stuff and, you know, which I'm not into. Sell me this pen. But, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Which, um, yeah. I mean, I'm not into it, but I'm on the other side of it where people are going to be trying to sell me stuff. So it's like, I, you know, I should learn of, their tactics. I, I want to learn their <laughs> tactics. So that if some, you know, I know whenever somebody's like, you know, giving me a high pitch, you know, a high powered pitch. Right. It's like, I, yeah, I, I can, I can see what they're doing. Power through. But yeah. Yeah. Um, so there was that one. And then there's one, um, I don't know if you can swear on this podcast, sure. or not, but, um, it's, uh, wise as fuck. It's, um, I've not heard of that one. Okay. It's a Scottish guy. He, uh, the first one was called, well, the first one that I knew of that he wrote was called unfuck yourself. Oh, I read that one. Okay. Oh, you did? Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Like years yeah, ago. Gary, oh, Gary John years. Bishop or something. Yeah, yeah. Gary something Bishop or something like, yeah, yeah. So he, he has a new one, uh, called wise as fuck. Okay. And so, yeah, that's that's the one that I just finished reading. Is it pretty good? Yeah, 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 it is. It's, I'm going to have to listen to it again. Um, <laughs> first of all, it, it takes you a while. Did you read it or did you listen to it? No, on? I listened to it. So when oh, I say okay. read, I mean audible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. he has a real thick Scottish accent. And, and Very thick, yeah. Yeah, first of all, I was trying to pinpoint exactly where his accent was from. So I spent about the first third of the book just listening <laughs> to his accent, not paying attention to what he was saying at all. I was like, ah, oh, it's... Oh no! Almost had it. Almost had it. But yeah, so I'm gonna have to listen to it again. But yeah, no, it's actually uh, it's it, it's pretty good. Like talks about fear and love and you know just things that you should pay more attention to and stuff. But, right. Um. Uh. And then so at, at lunchtime, so I go out for a walk every day at lunchtime for like an hour, and I uh, listen to the Bigger Pockets podcast. Or the MPG podcast. <laughs> I, uh, Thank you. Uh, yeah, I got turned Appreciate on to that one fairly recently and uh, <laughs> listened to all the podcasts. Like, 
Um, so, and uh, yeah, either that or like uh, uh, Marco Santarelli. You ever heard of him? No, he, never. Okay. He um, he has a podcast. Uh, I can't remember. It's, like some, it's another real estate podcast. It's real estate? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm going to check that out. You know No. Wow. I, I really? know. Yeah. He's, he's got like a memorable name. So I feel yeah. like I, Yeah. Yeah. No, he's, he's pretty big. Um, he has... It's... Um, uh, what do you call that? Um, 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 space and... Uh, turnkey. He has a turnkey uh, okay. company. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember the name of his company, but yeah. Outside of bigger or um rich dad poor dad is there like a book that you would recommend like any every real estate investor needs to listen to so the first uh, rich dad poor dad was the one that got me started um the next one that really made a big impact was the richest dad, richest man in babylon okay yeah uh, i thought that was an excellent book i think everyone should read that timeless yeah 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 um and then the next one was the millionaire next door Okay, yeah. yeah. Like, all those statistics were crazy. Yeah. I kind of believe it's just, it. It just made so much sense to me. It's like, I know so many people that are flashy and just try to look the part. And I probably, if you go beneath the surface, they got zero net worth. Right. But they're driving around in the flashiest car and they're wearing Rolexes and they're, you know, just, they, they think they're the shit. Yeah. And then there's other people that are just sitting on a fortune and you'd never know it. Right. Because they're just like... Not that they're super frugal, but they just make common sense decisions. And it was like, okay, that's what I want to be. I don't want to be flashy. I don't want to, you know, I just want to have like a, a, a reasonable bank account, you know, a reasonable living, comfortable living. And, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, and that book like literally lays it out where there's no denying the statistics. Right. right? Like, and the, the way I talked about... Um, uh, the children of people from wealth. I mean, they just, it's gone within a one generation. Yeah. You know, because they don't educate them on how to, you know, so I, ever since I started investing, I've just been drilling it into my kids till they're, <laughs> they're just roll their eyes every time I bring up investing and you need to be investing, you need to be thinking about this. Like, But I know that it's sunk in, like, you know, the amount that I've, badgered them to, to think about it like you know so like my uh, sons and I whenever uh, one of the times that we get to sit and just shoot the breeze without my wife being there is uh, we get in the hot tub and we just sit there and I you know have a couple of beers and I just you know hold court and just tell them how life is and how life needs to be and you know and most of the time it's like about investing in real estate and stuff like, you know, <laughs> they seem to enjoy it like you know they soak it in. Do they remember yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. they do. Like I know it's th- I know it's sinking in. Like I know, yeah. It's interesting. Do you know anything about like the Rockefeller fortune? Yeah, a yeah. Bit. That's the a one. St- like that is the um, the thing to be right or whatever. Like the goal, right? Because they have I think they 155 heirs to that trust. Okay. And that trust is larger now than when he initially died. Oh really? It grows every time. Uh, every, I don't know. I don't know yeah. all the rules, right? It's like an internal thing. Right. But um, they just keep adding to that fund, and all these different family members just keep pouring into it. Right. And it just keeps benefiting generation, generation, generation. Right. It's yeah. insane. You got to continue on the education, or like you know, it'll be gone. Like, you know, there's there's got to be so many people that that they become wealthy, but they don't tell their kids anything about it. Like, and their kids just 
you know, their benefits of their parents being wealthy and, you know, they just end up as complete screw-offs and do nothing all their lives. So, yeah, no, so, so I think that there's like a, there seems to be a, a thing in our culture that, that says that all these people are rich because their parents gave it to them. Mm. But, you know, like we're, you know, the, the, the statistics say that's not true at all. Mm. You know what I mean? Was like 86% of all millionaires are first generation or something like that? Yeah. It's right. pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I guess if you could give yourself any advice, day one, you, what advice would you give yourself? Okay. So I, like day one being uh, first, just moving over here, I guess, 25, yeah, like, 25 years ago. Um, when you first started like investing st- or well, lending, I mean. Um. I think I want to go back further than okay, that. Okay, okay. I, I, I want to go back to whenever I first landed in the United States, and I was, I was, uh, I was making good money, but didn't know what to do with it. It's like you need to. I, I wish I had spent the time to learn how learn how to invest at a an early age, because I spent time learning how to make money, but I didn't know. I didn't learn how to make my money make money, and that's what it took me a long time to figure that out. And that's what um, uh, I, I just heard on a, a podcast this morning. Like you, you need to have little green soldiers working for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? yeah, seriously though, yeah. Right, so that's what uh, I wish I could go back and tell myself, like spend some time educating yourself on, you know, on how to invest and uh, how to make money, how to make your money make money. Otherwise you're just gonna be working for the rest of your life. You're just gonna be trading time for money. And that's not, you're never going to get ahead doing that. You should hold a seminar at Gulfstream. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, man. Uh, I appreciate you coming on. Oh, I, I like appreciate it. I didn't think I would, uh, you would get me to talk as much as you have. <laughs> but, <yeah. laughs> I hear that a lot. I hear that a lot. Is there any way, um, do you want people to get a hold of you? They can, yeah. I mean, I, I don't mind. Like, I, I, I'll, t- sir, I'll gladly talk to anybody. Like, and uh, I love talking real estate, uh, and I'll, love going out to coffee or beer or whatever like and so yeah um i uh i i don't have a website or anything just they can get me either on facebook julian buick or uh um, my email address is jules j-u-l-e-s buick at yahoo.com sounds great thanks man yeah you're Take welcome. it easy thanks all right, see you. All right cheers. <laughs> hey y'all thank you so much for listening this week if uh you want to show some support please head on over to mpgpodcast.com check out the awesome merch we have on there um and also subscribe and comment wherever you listen to this uh that does a huge things for pushing us up on the algorithm whether it's on spotify apple music uh apple podcast google podcast youtube whatever it is whatever platform you use go right now go subscribe go comment help push us up and also please share us on your social media Um, The more listens we get, the more I can bring, uh, more guests I can bring in, the more value I can bring you guys. So thanks so much. It's a total team effort. I appreciate all the support and uh, hope you all have a great week. See you guys next week.